So my name is Chad Francine. I'm the pastor of Outreach and Engagement. And I grew up in Minnesota. And one of the fall days that I can remember, I had my friend Scott come over to play. Scott was a great friend to have over because his dad was a Green Beret. And so he had all of the Army stuff, camouflage, berets, which you don't see those as often anymore, but we would fight over who got the Green Beret. And then he would have this M16 that was rubber, which was a lot more real than the squirt guns and cap guns that I used to play with. And so Scott came over, we got dressed up, face paint, berets on, and we went out into the woods. It was a beautiful, crisp fall day, and we lived on the top of a hill, so we went down to the bottom of the hill and played in the woods. Soon our imaginations took over, and we went over to the creek, and we took out the bridge. Then we found an uprooted tree and made that our home base, and then we started to defend it with all of the oncoming squirrels, but or whatever came our way. Before too long, we got a little bored, and then we heard enemy tanks driving on the road, and so we went over to take them out. We looked around, and we found a bush that had edible berry, or inedible berries on it, and so we started tossing them as grenades at the oncoming tanks. We started fighting over, did you hit it? Yeah, I hit it. No, I hit it. No, you didn't hit it, right? But we were getting a little bit more close and throwing these berries, but we didn't have any idea if we were hitting them at all, and they were very light and hard to throw. But then the tree ran out of berries, and we found in our pockets one of the camouflage pants, some marbles that I think was for a slingshot or something. And so we got a little closer, climbed over a fence, in our full-on camouflage gear, and tossed grenades. One of us hit the tank. And we're like, yes, I got him. And the other one said, no, I got him. Yes, I got him. Scott's like, no, I got him. And we couldn't decide which one of our grenades had hit the tank. And then a bad thing happened. The car put on its brakes. You hit him. No, you hit him. No, you hit him. We were in trouble. So we panicked, jumped over the fence, and ran as far as we could before the car backed up, and then we went belly first onto the ground in the grass. The guy gets out of his pickup truck, and he says, I'm going to get you sons of a guns. And I remember being very comforted because it wasn't a, a, a... a worse swear word. I'm like, he's probably not going to kill us. So we're laying there, and he gets to the fence, and he looks right at us. But he can't see us. And he drives away. Clothing makes a difference. <laughs> the face paint, the berets, all worthwhile. So 
My friends Scott and I, we laid there motionless for a long time. And I wish that was the end of the story. But being that we were young boys and also not the sharpest tool on the tree, got to think about that one. The car drives up my driveway and gets to my house and says, hey, do you happen to know of any two boys that are playing around in camouflage gear? Busted. So when, when the car drove up my driveway, Scott and I ran across the street, hid behind some rock, and panicked. What are we going to do? And we waited, and all of a sudden, the worst sound you could ever hear came. My dad's voice. Boys, get up here. Except he wasn't that nice. And so my friend Scott says, all right, what are we going to do? We got to hide out here forever. We're moving to Idaho. I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, there's no way to hide. So we began that walk. You know the walk. It's up a hill but it seemed like it was straight up. Every step getting closer and closer to the imminent punishment. And there we stood in front of this man, and my parents right there. They made us apologize. I also had to rake the entire driveway to pay off the windshield that we had damaged. You see, when we fall short of God's glory... When we do something wrong, it breaks that relationship. And we start acting in a different way. We act out of shame, out of guilt. We were hiding. We were were willing to give up everything to run away, to avoid that punishment. We've been going through a series in Colossians. And the Apostle Paul tells us, of ways in which we are to act once we accept Christ. And he says this in Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Wait. Clothe yourselves. What an interesting word choice. Clothe yourselves. What we have to understand here is that that word is so rich when we look at the Bible. It actually goes back all the way to the beginning into the Garden of Eden. In chapter 3, it talks about this. Verse 6. The woman was convinced She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, 
Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And then their response is, it was her. It was him. It was the serpent. They hid from God. And then they tried to deflect this punishment. That's exactly how I felt. I wanted to run. I wanted to hide. I wanted to blame. But the reality is, is when I did something wrong, when I got carried away, I had nowhere to run. I had nowhere to hide. So God confronts them. And he asks them, who told you you were naked? You see, the theme of clothing is really connected to this intimacy with God. This clothing that covers up our nakedness, our vulnerability. And so God, knowing this, he reaches out to them. And he tells them that this is the consequence of your actions. And he helps them to see this. And then he puts a curse on them because of those consequences of what they had done. And then if you read a little bit along, this stood out to me in this context when we think of clothing and nakedness. In verse 20, it says, Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And then listen to this. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God made the clothing. The fig leaves probably weren't going to last as well as the animal skins. God, in his graciousness, in his kindness, understanding who we are and the condition we were in, he gives them this gift. This gift that deals with the consequences. It deals with the condition of his creation. But then we have to work this out because the separation from God has consequences. And so the Bible starts working out that detail with slavery, the exodus. When we get to Isaiah, there's prophecy about an upcoming or future Messiah. It says this in Isaiah 61, 10. I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Clothed with salvation. And this is the point. The point is this, that we have to make sure that when we clothe ourselves with righteousness, that we have to first deal with our hearts. Because if we're putting on a show for people, If we're covering up our guilt and our shame, we're not dealing with our salvation. 
You see, when we are trapped, when we are enslaved, it takes control of our hearts. And then we start acting differently. We start acting out of that. But then God sends his one and only son. And he lives a life that's blameless with us and shows us how to live. And then when he ultimately dies for us, he pays the price for our guilt. He pays the price for the consequence of our sin. And then we're saved. When we're saved, that means our hearts are set free. We don't have to be living according to our guilt, hiding from God. We can go right into his presence, into his majesty. And we are made holy by what Jesus did for us. Do you see how that restores that relationship? That restores this desire that God has to be with us, to live among us. Even though he is righteous and holy, he puts on us a covering, this clothing of salvation, so that we can be in a relationship with God. So then the Apostle Paul says this. In Colossians 3, like I read earlier, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see how that changes once we understand the condition of our heart? Because many times when we get saved, we say, what's next? Where do we go from here? How do we live if we are saved? With a caution, don't just cover it up. Don't just act like it. Let it flow from your heart like a stream that's outpouring. Your cup overflowing. Some of that imagery that God showed us through his word. These things are not easy. Kindness, mercy, humility. Jesus kind of teaches us that, yeah, it's easy if you are with nice people, with kind people, forgiving people, right? But how much more difficult is it is with those who are not nice? And that's the reality of this world, right? If we're going to be light in this world, the salt of the earth, the hands and feet of Christ, then we need to go and love and forgive. Not because people are doing that to us, but because God did that to us first. And then when we do it, opportunities will present themselves. Then we have the opportunity to practice and the opportunity to grow. So that was verse 12. Paul gives us, the apostle, a list. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord God forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
When we understand the grace that God has extended us, it should make us change our culture of how we can forgive those who have hurt us. It should break our hearts in the way that we break God's heart. And he gives us that mercy and that kindness, even that gift of clothing. And then that clothing of salvation. God wants us to then go into this world and live like that. Verse 14 says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Jesus taught about that all the time, that we have two really important things. The great commandment is to love God and to love others. Love. When you're wondering about what does it look like to clothe yourselves, just ask yourself, is it loving? Are you stepping out of your life, understanding what that person is going through, giving them the love that they receive? That's what happens when our hearts are loved. Verse 15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. When we really understand that in our hearts there is a change, when we have laid our guilt and our pain and our suffering at the feet of God, when we really understand that the punishment for our sin is death, and we trust him with our very lives, our hearts are then won over by peace this peace that surpasses understanding. All of a sudden, we don't have to worry about are we going to get caught or we make up lies or we blame or accuse. Instead, there's this peace. I'm reminded of when I was doing youth ministry, there was a a girl that would actually date this guy that her parents didn't want her to date. And so she wanted to go to prom with him, but wasn't allowed to. So she set up a fake date to pick her up with the pictures, and then ended up going to the prom with the other guy. And you just think, whoa, that is a lot of work. The worst part of it, of course, is that you never get away with it. Somehow people talk. But that work that we go through when we're caught, or guilty, or we know that we did something wrong, we got carried away, it takes over. But when you are able to give all of your cares, all of your worries, all of your burdens, even your guilt, your shame, and you lay it at the cross, your heart gets overtaken with peace. And then like a well springing up, then we see the evidence of that in our lives of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, love. When we take our shame and turn it into something that God can honor, 
This is what the world needs to hear. So the Apostle Paul ends with this in verse 16 and 17. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Sounds a lot like church. Where we gather, we study God's word, we sing of his praises. One of my favorite things that happens during the week is that there's just sometime on a Tuesday or a Thursday when the music from Sunday just starts echoing in my head. Not my, just one head. It echoes in my head and resonates in this beautiful sound of God getting worshipped and the joy of these voices coming together and the connection that I have with this community of believers. And then it makes me want to live as a representative of Christ. You see, as a representative, like an ambassador, whatever you say represents your king or your president. In the same way, when we're changed, when we sing of joy of this God who rescued us, when we understand of Christ and all his richness and his salvation that he gives to us because of the price he paid for us on the cross, then we go as ambassadors. We live it out with humility, with forgiveness. And we lead the way into this world that is so hungry for the truth, so hungry to hear of this way out because of the guilt and the burdens that pile up. What great news. So La Jolla Presbyterian, that's our challenge. To truly understand the richness of Christ, to wear the clothing of salvation, and then to let it resonate, exude from us, as we go and follow Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would be able to live according to your word. Through forgiveness and grace, God, we are received back into your presence. God, it is not any of these things that make us holy. God, we are made holy because of you, giving to us the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. God, when we look into our hearts right now, help us to see the peace, that peace that comes from you. And if not, God, help us to lay our guilt and our shame at your feet. And God, make us holy not because of anything we have done, but because of everything that you did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray.